This week, Keith and Mitch sit down with Garth from Garth's Brew Bar, a new Monroe Street extravaganza of beer, and we're going to talk a bit about what it takes to set up a new business. you got to leave your money behind you. Raise your hand to the sky. Welcome back to another episode of Give Me Some Truth. Today we have a special guest back in the booth. We have Garth Beyer, and he is the proud owner of Garth's Brew Bar that is being developed here on Monroe Street. So Garth, welcome to the booth. We also have Keith in the booth as well, but Garth, thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's a privilege. So we, we had a little bit of discussion going into this because Garth's is going to kind of specialize in... in a variety of, of beers, and we'll we'll talk a little bit more about this. But Mitch, you're kind of the beer expert in the office. Um, I drink uh, Miller High Life primarily. I will as well. Yeah, it's a, it's a it's a solid chaser for a Bloody Mary at brunch. That, that's true, and you get the little pony bottles. Yeah, a, a Wisconsin classic. Did you know that? I mean, they don't do that in Michigan. The the chaser on the Bloody Mary that is a uniquely Wisconsin. Thing, it is. It, it is. So I was actually very pleasantly surprised that it is a thing upon moving to Wisconsin. When did I move to Wisconsin? 2012. So, you know, seven years ago. But that was one of those pleasant, like, delightful surprises. I mean, that and the fact that we deep fry cheese is another... That was the best thing <laughs> by far that I found out about the state. So, Garth, are you uh, originally from Wisconsin or from Madison? No, I am not. I uh, grew up inside Rockford, Illinois, about an hour south of here. And kind of when I turned 16, I took a solo road trip up to Sheboygan, Wisconsin. I drove through Madison, Wisconsin, accidentally turned down the wrong way on a one-way, but still fell in love with the city without even getting out of the car. Just the the way it looked, the people uh, weren't yelling at me when I was going. They were helpful when I was going down the wrong way. How long were you going the wrong way? (laughs) Well, I was going to say, when I lived downtown, and my cousin and I used to joke that they could pre- pre-carve our tombstones. We both lived downtown because it was going to be hit by a driver going the wrong way on a one-way street. <laughs> it's just so common in downtown Madison yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, I want it to be known now that I know which direction to drive in uh, throughout Madison. So pedestrians, you can <laughs> feel relieved. So how long and, have you been in Madison? Been in Madison for eight years now. Eight years. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, went to school here, went to UW-Madison, graduated there. Ran a grant program for the state while I was going to school full full time, helped pay those bills, and from there I got into Hebing. It's a marketing firm right downtown Madison. I've been there ever since. Uh, and while I've been working in the marketing firm, I've done some freelance writing. I wrote for the Cap Times for a year on their Beer Beat article, uh, and that's kind of where a lot of my background is in is in journalism and marketing. You had you had written a little bit about beer while you were in in school as well, right? Yeah, yeah. I started the uh, What's on Tap beer column in the Badger Herald, and it's still going strong today. Oh, awesome! Yeah, yeah. So that's always like a little chip on my shoulder, which <laughs> feels pretty good. And when people talk about the college campus, I mean, the the bar's pretty dang close to the campus here. So uh, when people talk about it, well, what about all of the college kids going in there and nobody's really going to want to either pay for the craft beer or have an interest in it. And I just told them, I started that article, and there's a reason it still exists in the Badger Herald, because it might not be the mass population of campus students, but there is a nice pocket of of demographics there that really love craft beer, that have the money to spend on craft beer, and who are excited for the opening. So you're kind of describing it as we speak, but your target demographic, right? So it's those that appreciate craft beer, sounds like, doesn't matter 
what walk of life, whether they're in college or someone down the road like us down here in Monroe and Glenway. But does someone that really appreciates a good beer and willing to spend a little bit more than than said high life earlier? Yeah, yeah, that's that's totally accurate. Uh, you will rarely hear me talk about certain age groups or genders or or work backgrounds when I talk about who's this bar for. Uh, you're going to hear me talk about uh, kind of two kind of groups. One is just craft beer lovers, period, and the other is the neighborhood itself. Yeah, and let's uh, you know we can talk about that a little bit. I mean, almost. Uh if you crane your head just right from your front door, you could probably see Camp Randall if you're mm-hmm. partic- particularly long-necked and flexible. But you're going in down the road here on Monroe Street, which we're obviously very excited about because we always like more eating and, and dining options near the office here. Uh, tell us what a, a little bit about what drew you to the, the new location. It's a building going in uh, where the old Associated Bank was on Correct. Monroe Street. Yes, so 1726 Monroe Street is the, the actual location. Um, when I started, when I had the idea for opening up a craft beer bar, everybody said, of course, location, location, location. Uh, so I had done a bunch of research. I had sent out a survey with about, uh, it was a 15 minute long survey. It was an extensive survey to get a feel from craft beer drinkers on where they lived, how long they wanted to commute, what they spend, what they wanted out of a bar, what they've disliked at bars. Um, and Monroe Street was within that geographical area that I know the majority of beer drinkers would be willing to go to. Uh, Further that, I wanted a place where I could connect with other businesses. So I'm much from, I've got a collaborative background. I want to help other businesses thrive and not just be uh, butting heads with others on the street. So if you think about Um, Regent Street as an option for opening up this bar. Um, It's probably lucrative, uh, but I was looking for a lot more camaraderie out of the businesses. So the Monroe Street Merchants Association is in existence, and I started getting involved with them to feel things out even before I had the space. Uh, So I did some kind of uh, pro bono marketing work for that association and just fell in love with the connections that they all had with one another. So it it was just an obvious choice to go on Monroe Street. Yeah, and uh, you're right across the street there as well from Orange uh, Tree Imports. Yes, uh, on a past podcast. Appeared on a a past podcast. She is amazing. Everybody that I said, uh, and whenever I told somebody that I was going to Monroe Street, every single person, have you met Orange? Have you (laughs) talked to Orange yet? Make sure you talk to Orange. And, of course, she's the first person that I talked to. We we refer to her as the Eminence Orange of uh, of Monroe (laughs) Street, or at least I do. Uh, But uh, speaking of foreign languages, uh, you know, a little bit uh, of your bar is it's a craft bar for craft brew fans. And it's run by a craft brew fan yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, this space is... uh, meant to be, or at least part of it is meant to be more of an educational space to it. So uh, I think you're kind of trying to pull out the Cicerone side of me here. (laughs) Um, So the Cicerone is the beer equivalent of a wine sommelier. Uh, Essentially, it means that I studied a ton and learned a lot about beer. How much is a ton? Uh, A ton is probably a year and a half of consistently studying week after week, memorizing styles, history, Um, and then refining the palate too, which everybody thinks is the best part. It's actually the hardest part about getting smart on beer is because you've got to taste a lot of bad beer. You've got to be able to to taste diacetyl or, um, you know, sweaty socks. That's an off flavor. That's isovaleric acid. Um, so there are some nasty things. Does Miller High Life have sweaty socks taste Um, in it or... 
So it has <laughs> corn syrup taste. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, what, what's a beer that has sweaty socks? Um, any most beers with really aged hops. So if the hops aren't fresh or have been kind of oxidized, uh, that'll lead to um, that cheesy socks um, taste. You'll get it in Wait, sour. Cheesy sometimes. socks or sweaty socks? Both, both sweaty cheesy socks. Oh man, this is getting worse. Basically, <laughs> when there's when there's a bad off flavor, it's usually a combination of bad off flavors too. But as far as like, is there something at the store that I see a label and that just screams like sweaty cheesy socks? No, there shouldn't be. Okay, good. That's a, that's an off beer. I don't <laughs> think it's it's not like you know with wine. A lot of wines are are often you know as a compliment, like barnyard. Mm-hmm. Is like a compliment, mm-hmm. um, not not so with beer. Huh? No, uh, well, <laughs> barnyard is so saison. Okay. One of my personal favorite styles of beer. Uh, it's got a lot of breadth to it. So in terms of flavor profile and aroma, you could get something that is um, kind of like a Hefeweizen. So it's got a little bit of orange, maybe a little banana to it. But then the other swing of the saison um, spectrum could be barnyardy and a little goaty and a little. A little tart to the to the taste to the palate. Now, um, I don't know if, if people have seen you know there are, there are shows on Netflix, uh, and I read a, uh, a book as well about you know studying for the master sommelier exam. Where did you have a study group here in Madison? How many other folks here in Madison have this designation? Yeah. You know that sort of thing. Yeah. Was there so a group of people? There, there's a growing group of people. Um, right now, there's only eight certified Cicerones in the Madison area. There's one advanced Cicerone, uh, Jessica, from Giant Jones Brewery. Um, otherwise, just eight, including myself, for the certified Cicerone level. And there's four levels to the Cicerone certification. There's the beer server side. Uh, that's an online one that you could study. If you're good with memory, you could probably pass it in a day. It just gives you all the basics and basically checks the box of, hey, you know your stuff. There's a certified Cicerone. That's what I am. That's what takes about a year of studying. The success rate for that is about 30% of those who take it pass it. Um, and then advance Cicerone, again, a step further than that, one in Madison. A friend of mine who is a certified Cicerone now took it happened to be sick when he took that exam and failed the tasting portion. So hopefully he'll go back at it again. And then Master Cicerone is the last one. And I think, I don't remember off the top of my head, but I'm going to say around 15 in the world. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And one thing we were talking about before we actually went live here on the podcast was what's unique to you, Garth, is that you're the only Cicerone in Madison that actually owns a brewery, right? Yeah, yeah. Which is awesome. Yeah, the bar. The bar. The bar. Yeah. bar. bar. Sorry, yes, sorry. Yes. yes, I misspoke. Yep, there's a handful that work in as um, with distributors, a few that work in breweries, which is awesome. Um, and this is just super cool. And uh, there's one other certified sister on Monroe Street. He bartends at Brasserie V. So oh, really? there's an awesome little connection there that Monroe Street is kind of becoming that hub of certified Cicerones. So do the eight or nine of you here in Madison get together and kind of geek out? Uh... We've got a Facebook page that we're trying to get everybody together and um, help educate other people who want to study. So I've put all of the resources that I've studied uh, to pass the exam online on garsbrewbar.com on the blog there for people to kind of digest. Um, and then we'll be also hosting different tasting sessions, uh, training sessions at Garth's Brew Bar. So I'll be inviting these other certified Cicerones in. So Spotlight's not always on me, um, that they could come in, chat a little bit about it, share their experience too. 
I have to say the, those sorts of events are, are a lot of fun. I've done them with scotch and, and with wine. Obviously, that's my my passion. And anytime you can get in, and because I think a lot of the a lot of the folks that do this this much, they're not just passionate about the the beer itself, but also like the stories behind it. Is there is there a beer that you have you have a per- particular affinity for the story? I know you've, you you yeah. like a lot of the local beers here. Yeah, but. yeah, definitely. So, um, kind of backing up even to the two purposes for this craft beer bar. One is to help breweries thrive, and that's kind of pulling from my background and writing about breweries and wanting to do something that could benefit them beyond writing. So that's kind of one. Two is to uh, raise the bar of bars in Madison. So to speak, yeah. Um, so, so to speak, exactly, exactly. Uh, so by doing that, um, I'd be looking at hosting a, diff- a series of different tastings um, so that they could come in and learn not just about the flavor profiles, but also the backgrounds of the beers. So uh, one cool story that I have is uh, Ale Asylum. Uh, they've been a huge supporter of this endeavor. Hathaway there, shout out to her. Uh, for kind of giving me a bunch of insight and education on what it's like to run a business. Uh, But also a nugget that I took from her when she talked about the beer labels that were for the Ailes Island beers. She said that her and Otto wouldn't approve a beer label if it's not something they would tattoo on their body. (laughs) And I thought that was just extremely clever. I'm like, that's amazing. That's a great barometer for... Um, you know, passing or failing a design test. So there's these little nuggets, these little stories of I never thought of that when you have a have a beer, and that's those are the stories that I want to be able to tell and have our staff tell at Garth's Brew Bar. Do you I wonder have a Garth's Brew Bar tattoo on your body? <laughs> not, <laughs> not yet. Well, what not I was yet. wondering is if Carbon Four Hells holds it to that standard too, because I'm thinking of Fantasy Factory. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and for those of you that don't know Fantasy Factory, you should probably go pick up a six pack and try it out. And or just look at the, the label I'm yep, talking yep. to, but it is like a unicorn with rainbows and laser guns riding a cat, I believe. Yep, something cat, to that effect. Yep, yep, cat's riding it, shooting a laser gun. Or the, the cat is, yeah, the yeah, cat, the cat is, is riding, riding the, unicorn. the unicorn. There you go, there you go. <laughs> Maybe that's a new idea for Carbon Four. Have the unicorn riding a cat. <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. So Carbon Three and a Half. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly. the logo. Yeah. <laughs> so, a question for you, Garth. Yeah. How many taps are going to go live, and like when, when can I go there and grab a beer? Definitely. So we're going to have 18 taps. One of them, I like to say, is going to be nitro cold-pressed coffee, Ooh. and that's it. So no alcohol in that, just straight-up coffee. Um, otherwise, 17 taps of beer rotating pr- pretty regularly. Um, that being said, if you don't like something that's on 18 taps, we've got a reach-in cooler. Uh, I've got the same setup that Long Table Beer Cafe has in Middleton, but about half the size because theirs is massive. Um, so I've got some other bottles and canned options uh, there for folks. And people should be able to come into Garth's Brew Bar first week of December. That's when we're going to do a, a few soft openings. So uh, I'll just give a, a plug. If you go to garthsbrewbar.com, there's a newsletter. Sign up on the bottom. If you're part of that newsletter, you're going to get an invite to be part of the openings, have a say in what beers get put on tap, win some swag, and some other cool giveaways. Possibly a Garth's Brew Bar uh, tattoo as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah we might do <laughs> tattoos. We'll now, uh, I know in your experience, what kind of got you into beer wasn't uh, necessarily local beer. Uh, was you you took a trip to Hungary? When oh you were, yeah, yeah. And uh, actually, I was just watching uh, Anthony Bourdain last night, and he was doing. Uh, they were in the Czech Republic, 
and they were doing kind of beer tasting about that. And so are you going to have more global beers as well as the, the highlighting the local beers, or is it... Perhaps at the next bar, I will. Oh. <laughs> for this particular one, we're sticking with American craft beer. Um, I have a lot of love for Brasserie V, who handles a lot of the imports on, in Foreman Row Street. Mm-hmm. Um, so didn't want to step on their toes, but also wanted to try and focus in as much as possible with, uh, with Garth's Brew Bar. There's, I mean, in Wisconsin, you've got more than 250 breweries here. So that's a lot of beer. And if I'm bringing imports in, that's a Wisconsin beer that I can't put on the shelf so trying to focus in on this one perhaps down the road we'll make uh garst brew bar the foreign version or import version gartes what other beers do you like depending on the season so you said like a saison is kind of you know one of your go-to's when yeah it comes to, maybe that's good at all times right but yeah for me i know whether it's winter i might like something a lot different than i enjoy in the summer so for you garth is there a seasonal approach to, to not only what you drink and enjoy to drink, but also how that might be reflective in the taps that are available? Yeah, yeah, there definitely is. And um, not to toot my own horn, but I think my, my transition phase happens sooner than other people's. So typically during the summer, you've got juicy IPAs, you've got some more of the Radler-like beers, um, higher citrus flavors, and more easy drinking, and then fall starts to ensue, and you start to go into more of the porters and stouts. Um, my trigger, I was drinking stouts when it was still like 80 degrees out, and which is kind of like naysay, hearsay, but um, I was doing it, so I like to think that I'm just ahead, slightly ahead of whatever trend's happening. So when, so when do you drink October? Because technically Oktoberfest is in September, right? right? But when do you drink Oktoberfest? As soon as they hit the shelves, uh, which happens earlier and earlier every year, as we see with nearly every kind of style. They're really a popular, I mean, I think people from all ends of the of the spectrum, even I who lean yeah. towards, you know, Miller High Life, like a good Oktoberfest yeah, yeah. beer, I think they're they're quite popular up and down. Definitely, definitely. Easy, drinkable beer. And most of our palates started with kind of amber ales. That's what really kick-started the craft beer revolution. Uh, and so it's just an easy tie in there. It's like an amber ale with a little bit of more edge to it. And so still approachable for a lot of folks. Stouts are also great uh, if you're watching the Premier League in the morning on Saturday morning. So, you know, I, I've been known to have a Guinness in, in sure, August at, sure. at 8.30 in the morning while watching <laughs> the Premier League. Lower alcohol content. It looks like coffee. You feel yeah. Like, oh, you yeah. Know. Yeah. I've had my fair share of <laughs> breakfast beers. <laughs> so what, what else... Uh, going on with Garth's Brew Bar that people may not know about that uh, kind of differentiates you or is kind of interesting about what you, what you guys are doing in addition to kind of the education and, and all of that? Sure. I think the space itself uh, has been very intentional. So part of the research behind the space was that survey that was sent out to asking people what they liked and didn't like. Uh, one of the reoccurring statements was we should be able to talk to one another and not have to yell for, for us to hear each other. Um, so acoustics was a major part of our design of the space. And so we have some high-tech Hunter Douglas tech ceilings going in. Um, the wood choices that we use are very sound absorbent. Um, you'll be able to feel under the tables and see some felt put there because a lot of sound bouncing off the floors then 
goes up and then gets brought into the felt versus reverberating into your ears. So I've done a lot of sound design um, research to kind of make it so it's very much a communal space and a conversational space. I know this got approval from from Hannah. She when she found out about this, she was really oh yeah happy that it wasn't going well, to I can be just rattling see her around. Excitement. Right here as it is. <laughs> <laughs> Hannah, for those of you who are listening to the podcast, she is on the, the mixing board. Is that what that's called? I don't know. She does, she does all of our actual technical sound stuff. And that's why this podcast sounds so good, by the way. I'll and why tangent it, and give a compliment to, to her. Hannah here. It's why it's improved in sound as well, because we have, we have sound deadening uh, in here now as well. And we do. unidirectional mics, so there's mm-hmm. less uh, sound infill. So. And, and our guest, Garth, this is not his first rodeo. Either. I mean, <laughs> this is not his first podcast from the sounds of it. Yeah. Well, apparently you, you did one for a, uh, for a little while. Yep. I've been on a couple podcasts and also started my own with a friend back in the day. And if anybody wants to try and research it and find <laughs> it, go for it. And I have nothing to hide. It was all good, good fodder. It was, it was kind of just two, two guys chatting about life. <laughs> So, like, when Nate and Clint are unleashed in the booth, I think is what it yeah, exactly. <laughs> ends up like. Uh, any last words for, for folks before we uh, let you go here today? No, just uh, I would say um, just how excited I am to be part of this community. Uh, it's been a long time coming. I've been involved with the Neighborhood Association, Merchant Association, for the last three years now, um, just waiting to bring this to the people. So I'm very excited to get to know more people's names, uh, offer this venue for them to imbibe and enjoy and relax and escape. And thank you guys for having me on the, the yeah. show. Thank you. Yeah, I, appreciate I, it. I think the, the vibe, as you said, is going to fit in really well with, with what Monroe Street has going forward already. I mean, a lot of, uh, you know, kind of interesting, funky, different than you might see even if you go just to the other side of Camp Randall and, oh, yeah. and Regent Street, you know, the bars yep. on this side are, are very different yep. from the ones over there. And so I think you're going to fit in great. And we're yeah. really looking forward to swinging down. Uh, December 1st. Get, get a stout <laughs> or would you go with a, uh, would Ooh. you go with a Saison, Mitch? If What's... it's December 1st, I, I might do stout or okay. maybe even if there's something holiday, like a holiday spicy kind of oh, yeah. beer on tap right before Christmas time. I don't know. Well, we'll see what's on yeah, tap, right? Yeah, definitely, it's, definitely. I do have some say, because it sounds like if I go to garsbrewbar.com, was yep, it? Get yep. on a newsletter, and I can, like, is there a vote or something? Or yeah, we will be having a poll a station, poll. a poll set up on a regular basis. So I'm go to see Gars, if I can influence yeah, this. Go to oh, garsbrewbar.com yeah, and try to vote. Uh, the other thing is, I think this is ideal for... Uh, retirees, not that they're going to be hanging out at, at Garth's Brew Bar, but we have uh, all the time, hopefully not, maybe a swinging May, vibe. Maybe. But uh, what we also have now is a, another kind of chance for you to pursue something in retirement. If you're interested in beer, we now know that you can study to become a, a Cicerone. So <laughs> Sure thing. And yeah. if anybody wants to start their own bar, I have all of the knowledge to do so now. So uh, whether or not it succeeds or fails, time will tell on that, but at least I could get you going. Excellent. Thanks for, so much for joining us. Yeah, my pleasure. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Garth.
Advisory services are offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Clint Walkner, Nate Condon, Jonathan Jordan, Mitch DeWitt, and Keith Ponywaz are investment advisor representatives of Walkner Condon. Guests on the podcast are not registered, and their participation in the podcast are limited to unregistered activities and will not provide any advice that is investment-related, nor should any comments that guests make be construed as giving investment advice. Content should not be viewed as an offer to buy or sell any securities mentioned or as legal or tax advice. You should always consult an attorney or tax professional regarding your specific legal or tax situation. Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC, is not engaged in the practice of law. Whenever you invest, you are at risk of loss of principal as the market does fluctuate. Past performance is not indicative of future results. Purchases are subject to suitability. This requires a review of an investor's objective, risk tolerance, and time horizon. Investing always involves risk and possible loss of capital. Long-term care, estate planning, insurance products, and tax advice are not offered through Walkner Condon Financial Advisors, LLC. Walkner Condon works on a best efforts basis and does not guarantee any results. Past performance does not represent future results. Please see walknercondon.com for additional disclosures.